All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for Teves, to thank the Dafyomi Shir for dedicating all the Shur and Midrashos this month in memory of Mr. Martyr, Mordechai David Ben Rafal HaKohen. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah and the Shalom will have an Ali and the family in the Chama. To thank Shirley Elbaum and family for dedicating all the Shur and Joshua's this month, the commemoration of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Koppel, Ben Rav Avram Menachem. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, in commemoration of the yard site of Paul's sister Linda, sorry, Leah Bas Shmuel. Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, in this list of for Shulamis Bas Susha, and our Dafyomi sponsors for today, uh, Michael Edinger, in commemoration of the yard site of Lara Marcus Rapp, great, great grandfather of Binyamin Edinger. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshama Slav and Aliyah, the families in Nechama, all of those who require Refuah should have one together with Kol Cholei Yisrael. I'll say with that, let us begin. We have a really interesting daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is daf Ayin. And we are picking up Merit Hashem on Ayin. We actually made some good headway in the daf. We are actually picking up today 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 lines up from the bottom. Uh, right? Zayin Oedalev, 78, 16 lines up from the bottom. So if you remember again, we're actually dealing, the question that the Gemara was asking was the following question, Rabbi's question. So what happens if the, if the husband says to his wife or the father says to the daughter, I uphold, I affirm this neder for you today. I affirm this neder for you today. So we'll say, how do we understand that particular statement? Ultimately, again, does that mean that, does that mean that the nether is affirmed today and revoked tomorrow or not? Or not? So in, in, the, in the course of answering that particular question, so the Gemara asked the whole series, okay, don't, don't spend, it's fine. In the, in, the course, in the course of answering that question, so the Gemara has asked a whole series of other questions. The last question I will say the Gemara asked was, what happens if a husband says to his wife, I uphold this nether for you for the next hour? So the next hour. Again, does that, in other words, what, what happens? Is the nether upheld for an hour and then, and then revoked or annulled the next hour? So that's what we're talking about over here. So Tashma, interesting case. So again, we have not answered any of these questions. We still have to deal with all of them. So Tashma, Harini Nezira, Bishama Bailava Amar Ani. So listen to this. A man says, so, excuse me, a woman says, I am in Nezira. Thank you. So I am in Nezira. Right? So ultimately, again, uh, that's, that's the nether that she's making. I'm in Nezira. Her husband hears it. And what does he say? Amar Ani. He says, me too. Me too. So what's Talacha? Ein hafer. He is unable to go ahead and annul her nether. So we'll say, so once again, she's saying, I'm making a nether, I'm becoming an azira. Then what happens? He says, me too. Once he says, me too, he can't annul her nether. Va'amai. Why not? Neyma va'ani da'amar hu al-nafshe nazir. So why, why not? Why can't he say like this? When I said, when I said va'ani, Vani means, the husband says, means I also want to become a Nazir. Aval harini nizira dila achas kaima la lefer. So we'll say, so ultimately again, when it comes to her nether, why can't they say, look, I was just affirming your nether for a little bit so that I could kind of, I could kind of tag on, not tag on to it, uh, piggyback on it, piggyback on it, but then I plan on annulling your nether an hour later. Amai en yachal hafer. Why can't he do that? In other words, I remember again, this is all assuming 
that the window for affirmation and revocation is on that day. So again, here's the case. Wife says, Harini Nazira. Husband says, Vani, me too. Brisa says, after he says Vani, he can no longer annul her nether. Why not? Why can't he say, I was just simply affirming your nether enough so that I could piggyback on it. But once I piggyback on it, afterwards I reserve the right to go ahead and annul it an hour later. As long as it's all still on the same day. Why can't he do that? It must be that what? Lab mishum, the kevan the kaimo kaimo. It must be that what? That halacha lamaisa, because once you affirm a nether, I will say what? Once you affirm it, we're done. We're done. Right? Nether close. In other words, once you affirm it, the window for affirmation, revocation has now closed, and the entire process is finished. So we'll say, so that's a raya, that's a raya to the case that we had before, that if a husband were to say to his wife, Kiem lechi shah, I affirm your nether for an hour, that he can't go back and negate it or null it afterwards, because once the nether has been upheld, that's it. To which the Gemara says, no, not necessarily, kasavar, kol va'ani, kiman da'amar, kiem lechi lo'olam. Not necessarily, in other words, it could very well be that any time that a husband says va'ani, and I also want to latch on to this, any ani ultimately, again, is like complete affirmation, right? In other words, that any time that a husband is embedding himself in his wife's nether, or kind of riding the wave of his wife's nether, right? Piggybacking on his wife's nether, by definition, what he's doing is he's affirming it. It's a complete affirmation. So again, it could very well be the Gemara suggests maybe you can affirm an answer for an hour and then revoke it after an hour. That's possible. But either way, you can't bring a raya from this case because in this particular case, once you say va'ani, that's like engaging in a complete affirmation. So therefore, I will say, we have a number of open-ended questions to which this Gemara ends off with. So let's resolve them from the Rambam. So the Rambam in Hilchos, the Darim, Parikir Gimel, Halacha Chav Bey says as follows. Here we go. Here are the cases. Amr la, kiem lach sha'achas va'avra hayom v'lo hefer, hareza kayim. So we'll say, so first of all, if a husband goes ahead and affirms the nether, he says, this, this is actually working backwards, right? This is the last case. Last case was, I affirm your nether for an hour. For an hour. We do not interpret that to mean, I affirm it for an hour, and after an hour, it's automatically revoked. Rather again, if you don't say anything about revocation, then what? We don't assume revocation occurred. So I, why did you frame it as an hour? Uh, whatever, whatever, that's what you're talking. But Lamaisa, if he affirms a nether for an hour and doesn't do anything to revoke it, halacha Lamaisa, the nether is affirmed. Good. So now watch this. That's case one. So that, that's, our, that's, our, that's our last case that we had. The Gemara says, Amr Allah, Kim Lechi Sha'achos. What happens? Well, so let's work backwards. What happens if he says to her, the nether is affirmed for an hour, right? Kim Lechi Sha'achos, Kisha'avra, Kisha'avra, Hasha, Amr Allah, Mufralech. The Gemara says, So what happens in the following case? So, case? so, case one, which is the last case we just dealt with, which is if a husband says to his wife, I affirm this nether for you for an hour. So, we'll say, What's the result of that statement? Complete affirmation. Complete affirmation. Why I, he only said an hour, it's fine. He didn't say he's revoking anything. As long as he didn't say he's revoking anything, therefore, Allah Almighty, the affirmation stands. What happens if he says, Okay, then we'll see next case is, what if he says to her, I uphold your nether, I affirm your nether for an hour, for an hour, and then after an hour, he says, 
I revoke the nether. I revoke the nether. So I'll say, what happens in this case? The Rabbim writes, Hare ze suffik. So I'll say, this is the interesting suffix case. Why is this a suffix case? Because I'll say, it seems to be, it seems to be that halacha lamaisa, the Rabbim says, the Rabbim says that once you, once you affirm a nether, that affirmation stands. The question just becomes in a situation where you exercise the right of revocation within the window of the same day. So can you affirm and then revoke within the same day? So the Ramam says, that's suffix. That's suffix. We're not sure. We're not sure what to do in that case. And therefore, again, what are you doing a suffix neder? asura binidra. Ultimately, again, she's usher. She's bound by the neder. But if she violates the nether that Rambam writes, she doesn't get Malchus. Okay. So therefore, again, those are the last two cases I both say. So again, Halakha he affirms the nether for an hour. We don't say, we don't interpret that to mean affirmed for an hour and then automatically revoked afterwards. Rather, affirmation is affirmation is affirmation. That's number one. Number two, if he says affirmed for an hour, then after an hour, he does revoke it. That's a Safi case. Beautiful. I will say Mishnah. So Mesa'av. Mesa'av. So we'll say this is all still the same exact Surya. Right? All the same, so give the Nara Hamurasa. Here we go. Mishnah, bottom of Ayin Odalif. Mesa'av, if the father dies, lo nisrokna rishus labal. So we'll say, we actually mentioned this before. Right? If the father dies, ultimately, again, the rights of the father do not yield back to the husband. I should say, do not, do not, are not inherited by the husband. Mesa'av, but if the husband dies, nisrokna rishus la'av. Ultimately, again, the rights of full revocation do go back to the father. So I'll say, so again, remember, in order to be made for her nether, both father and husband need to participate in that revocation. Right? So now what the Gemara said, what the Mishnah is saying is, if the father died, husband does not inherit rights of revocation from the father. If husband dies, father does inherit rights of revocation from the husband. We're both saying in this respect, the rights of the father, the rights of the father are stronger than the rights of the husband. So we'll say so again, in other words, what we just mentioned, a father has greater rights than a husband. Good. But in other areas, in other areas, so ultimately again the husband will have greater rights than the father. Where is that? Shabal Mefer Bebagar, Ino Mefer Bebagar. So we'll say, for example, that a husband has the ability to annul the vows of his wife, who is a bogeras. Yet, remember again, a father has no rights of revocation in his daughter, who is a bogeras. Now, I will say, Bepashtos, just on a simple level, what this means is, if a father has a daughter, the daughter is not married. She becomes a bogeras. What rights does a father have in his bogeras daughter? The answer is zero. Yeah, I mean, not zero, but, but again, but Lamaisa, he has no rights of, because remember, once she becomes a vulgaris, she's a full-fledged adult. As a full-fledged adult, ultimately, he has no rights of revocation. A husband, obviously, has rights of revocation in his wife's nidarim, no matter how old she is. Incredible. So I will say, so in one respect, the father has greater rights than the husband, namely, that in this case of Naraha Murasa, if the husband dies, father acquires full rights of revocation. Yet if father dies, husband does not acquire full rights of revocation. But yet, again, in another respect, husband has greater rights and that a husband has the ability to annul the vows of his bogeras wife, but a father does not have the ability to annul the vows of his bogeras daughter. Son. 
Okay. So we'll say good. So says the Gemara. My timer. So we'll say what's what is the reason for this? My timer. Damakra benuareha base avia. So we'll say. So what the Gemara is asking is like this: Why is it? Why is it that when the father dies, we're kind of going a little bit reverse. Why is it when the father dies, the full rights of revocation don't go back to the husband? That's the Shiloh. So we'll say, so the Mishnah says, the Gemara answers, what's the reason why when the father dies, his rights of revocation do not go to the husband? My time, Adamakra, Binu Areha, Beisadiha. When Shepasik says, when she is a Nara, she is in her father's home. So we'll say, interesting, how does the Gemara interpret this? So if you look at the Ran, we'll say, so the Ran is two, four, six lines up from the bottom, left-hand side of the page. Why is it that when the father dies, the father dies, his rights don't go back to the husband? So we say fantastic drasha. The Gemara understands over here, benu areha beis aviha, means like this, that when she's an Ara, she's in her father's home. What's the Chiddush? Even if her father's not alive, she is still halachically considered to be in her father's home. What does that mean to be in her father's home? That her father has rights in her even if he's no longer alive. This is the Raya, that when the father dies, his revocation rights do not go to the husband. Even upon his death, she is still considered to be Bevesavir. But if you take a look, if you take a look at the rush on the bottom of the page, the rush says, My taima, lonis rokna rushus labal, the havilan la migmar balmeav, dama krabi no arabe say the mashma, base aviha, velo base baila. So Bo said, This is really interesting. So apparently, again, a girl and the gun, this dafke nara, a nara is considered to be part of her father's home even though her father is no longer alive. Therefore, the Gemara is suggesting that is why when father dies, his rights are not assigned to the husband. His rights, so to speak, still remain ultimately, again, his own. Obviously, he can't exercise them. He's dead. But Lamaya said they remain his own. Incredible. Let's go weiter. We know that if the husband dies, his rights, his rights, are ultimately again assigned to the father. To which the Gemara says, Minalan, Minalan. Now, how do, where do we know, where do we know that from? Now, say, take a look at the last rush on the page. Last rush, Minalan dinisrok, nurushus la'av, to have a mistabra le meimar kevan, shiatzamir shuso, sha'achos, shalohayo yachala hafer levado, shuv lo taxer le shuso. So, we'll say, so ultimately again, so from where do we know? From where do we know that if the husband dies, his rights are assigned to the father? To which the Gemara says, We'll say the Pasik says, If if she will be married to a man, his nidarim, his nidarim, or excuse me, her nidarim, are upon him. So we'll say, so what does this mean? upon her. So what does this mean? Makish, we'll say, Amadeis. Makish, kod mehaviyashniya, rishon. So we'll say, this is actually very interesting. Here's what the Gemara is picking up on. Im is a double lushan of marriage. Right? Remember again, we saw this before. Haviyah's lushan kidushin. So hayosihiya is a double lushan of kidushin. So I both say, so what does this mean? What's the double lashon of Kiddushin? It's coming to equate 
ultimately, again, first Kiddushin with second Kiddushin. Now, what does this mean? Take a look at the top run. Top run for just a moment. We're going to look at the Rush and the Ran. So the Rush, so the Ran says, Makishavir Rishon Rishnia Kilomar, Shedin Shnia Kedin Rishona. Ma Kodme Rishona Av Mefer Luchodek. So we'll say, now listen to this. Essentially, what the Gemara is learning out is like this. The fact that the Pasuk says, Hayosihia, indicates that there are, there are two acts of Kiddushin being mentioned in the Pasuk. So the Gemara is coming to equate the rights of the father prior to the second Kiddushin with the rights of the father prior to the first Kiddushin. Now I will say, what are the rights of a father prior to the first Kiddushin of his daughter? What are his rights? Complete rights of revocation. So too the Gemara wants to suggest that halacha lamaisa, if the, the rights of the father prior to the second Kiddushin. I will say, now what's the case of second Kiddushin? What's the case of second Kiddushin? This is a case of where a girl was betrothed to husband number one, and then what happened? He died. He died. Now, now, she's quote-unquote prior to second Kiddushin. Now, I will say, if the father has rights prior to second Kiddushin, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that when husband dies, an Oros dies, what happens to his rights? They go back to the father. So the fact that the father is still a player, a force, within his daughter's hafaras nedarim, prior to her second Kiddushin, tells us that when husband dies, husband's rights are ceded back to the father. Look, look, look inside the rhyme once more. Kilomar, shedin shniya kedin rishona. The din of the father's rights before the second Kiddushin are like the din of the father's rights before the first Kiddushin. Just like before the first marriage, the father has the ability to annul by himself. So too before the second Kiddushin. So too after the death of the husband, now again the death of the first husband, the death of the first Arus, ultimately again the, now before the second Kiddushin, the father has exclusive rights. So let me just frame this once more. So remember again, here's what we're doing. We're trying to figure out. Mishnah said, husband dies. So let's just, let's just frame the case, right? So Rachel, Rachel is, is done irisen with Ruvain. So now Rachel has a husband, Ruvain, and a father. We'll just call him father. Now what happens? Well, say in a typical case during irisen, and, and Rachel is a nara, 12 years old to 12 years old in six months. Now, I will say, in a typical case, Rachel made a vow. How is that vow an old? How is that vow an old? Father and Ruvain, right? Jointly, jointly, jointly another vow. Now, I will say, the Mishnah says, what happens if, what happens if, what happens if Ruvain dies? We, we, already, we, went, we went through before that if father dies, if father dies, Ruvain does not inherit his rights of revocation. Now, I will say, what happens if Ruvain, the husband, dies? What did the Mishnah tell me? Ruvain, the husband, dies? Who inherits full rights of revocation? Father. Gemara says, how do you know that? How do you know that? To which the Gemara says, oh, it's a Pasek. Hayo le'ish the, the Pasek itself is talking about the situation of vim hayo le'ish. Now we'll say, hayo is two lishonos of Kiddushin. If she will be married to a man of Dara'alam, if tasfasel, so a man of Nomad of Nadarim. So we'll say, so now watch this. What's the two cases of Kiddushin to which a father is still involved? To which, is it time already? One more minute. One more minute. Okay. Good. So let's go. So I will say, what are the... Good. 
ready for the day. Okay, so let's say, so now, what ultimately, again, are the two cases of Kiddushin? So here we go. The cases are like this. The case will be where, again, Rachel has Kiddushin with husband number one, right? And then husband number one dies. Husband number one dies. Now, she has Kiddushin with husband number two. So I will say, what the, what the Yimar is suggesting is, just like before Kiddushin number one, father has complete rights of revocation, so too before Kiddushin number two, father has complete rights of revocation. Now, in order for father to have complete rights of revocation before Kiddushin number two, we'll say, what has to happen? What has to happen is that when the husband dies, he yields complete rights, or the father inherits complete rights of revocation. So this is the raya. The fact that we're comparing pre-Kiddushin one with pre-Kiddushin two, ultimately tells me that what? That when the husband dies, father inherits complete rights of revocation. Incredible. So we'll say that's the entire drasha. So makish Just like before, Rachel's first kiddushin, the father has complete rights. Ultimately, before the second kiddushin, father also has complete rights. But I will say, remember again, the difference of Pre-first Kiddushin and pre-second Kiddushin is what? A little detail, which is called a husband, right? In other words, you had Ruvain there in the middle. Ruvain was there, then Ruvain died. The fact that father has complete the same revocation rights prior to second Kiddushin only works if what? If you say that when husband dies, father inherits those complete rights. Most of all, you understand, I'm using the word inherit loosely, not as like halachic inheritance, but just as acquiring those rights. Good. So we'll say that's the raya. So we'll say, so now, so now watch this. So just, just understand what we've had so far. Well, that's actually, let's finish up. Maybe this only applies ultimately again to Nidarim. Ultimately, that's what? That Allah, the Aras didn't know about. In other words, we'll say, maybe it's only referring ultimately to Nidarim that the Aras himself didn't know about. Avab bin Nidarim, Shenira la'aras. Lo matzi mefer av, but maybe the nedarim that the husband didn't know about, and let's say didn't act on or knew about them, but didn't do anything about them. Maybe once he dies, the father doesn't have rights of revocation. Even nedarim shlo nira la aros v'minorah beisavia nafka. I will say ultimately, if it's talking about nedarim that the aros didn't know about, then of course those are within the purview of the father. That's learned out from the pasuk. Ultimately, again, of minorah beisavia. Take a quick look at the rush. About 12 lines into the rush. The mashma, ultimately again, obviously if the Aras didn't know about Nidarim, of course the father has sole revocation powers over those. The Chitz Derech Ve'im Hayosiyah after Nidarim Shneer Aras. So we'll say the Chidish of Hayosiyah is that even for Nidarim that the Aras did know about, if the Aras dies, father has complete revocation powers over them. So therefore I will say, let's stop here for just a moment and let's assess what we have. What do we have? So I'll say we've now established and proven the first 12 halachas of the Mishnah. Halacha number one, halacha number one is that if hus- father dies, husband does not acquire his rights of revocation. Where do we know that from? Minuaraha base aviha. She remains as part of her father's home even if her father is no longer alive. That's number one. Number two, if husband dies, ultimately father does acquire rights of revocation. Where do we learn that out from? Vim hayo sihiyat 
The Mishnah is talking about talking about two acts of kiddushin, and yet father still maintains revocatory power before his daughter's second kiddushin. Well, the only way for that to work, we're comparing father's rights before first kiddushin with father's rights before second kiddushin. Just like before first kiddushin, father has complete revocatory power. So too, before second kiddushin, father has complete revocatory power. In order to say that father has complete revocatory power before second kiddushin, both say, what do you have to? What fact has to be in place? Namely, that what? That when husband dies. Father inherits those rights. So we'll say now we've effectively proven those first two points. Let's go weiter. So we'll say, so remember again, the Mishnah said, the first part of the Mishnah is an illustration of how the father has greater rights than the husband. Then the Mishnah says, but there is a way in which what? In which the husband has greater rights than the father. How so? How so, I'll say? Because remember again, a father doesn't have revocatory power, doesn't have revocatory power in his daughter who is a Bulgaris. Yet a husband does have revocatory power with his wife who is a Bulgaris. To which the Gemara says, okay, hey, he dummy. So I'll say, what's the case? Look at Rash, look, I'm sorry, look at the Ran. Almost right across in the Ran. Shabal Mefer Bebagar. What's the case, right? What's the case that we say that a husband has the ability to annul the vows of his wife who is a Bulgaris? So I'll say, so, Kishinara, Ubagra. If you tell me it's a case of where? He was Makadisho when she was in Nara, and ultimately then she became a Bulgaris. Okay, so the Gemara says, Mithi, so if that's the case, so I'll say, now the Chiddush is that even though now she became a Bulgaris, he has the ability to go and annul her vows. If that's the Chiddush, so I don't understand, Mithi, so I'll say, actually, the Bach adds in over here, Misa Motsia Mirshus Av. Ultimately, and I'll say, death removes her from the domain of her father. And becoming a Bulgaris removes her from the Roshos of her father. So we'll say, I would say is, just as death of the father, just death of the father, does not yield the father's rights to the husband. So we'll say, I would say also the same thing. Maybe when she becomes a Bulgaris, also the rights shouldn't be yielded to the husband. Ella, rather, I will say, what do you have to say? What's the case? Shekidsha kishi Bulgaris. Rather, I will say, must at the Mishnah's case is, now what happened? The husband was Mekadish's wife when? When she was already a Bulgaris. And the Chidish is, I will say, that even though he's being Mekadish now, now understand, when he's, if, if a man is Mekadish woman as a Bulgaris, right? I will say, right? If you're, if you're Mekadish woman as a Bulgaris, what rights do her father, what rights does her father have in her in Bagros? None. None. So we'll say, so the interesting, so the interesting chap over here is, so let's say Ruvain marries Rachel and Rachel's a Bulgaris. So the interest, what the Mishnah is saying is what? Is that Ruvain has rights in Rachel that the father does not have in Rachel. Namely what? The father already had no revocatory power when she became a Bulgaris. Yet Ruvain, when he marries her, has the ability to annul her vows as a husband, even though she is a Bulgaris. <laughs> to which the Gemara says, okay, that, that's fine. But we already learned this concept that a husband has the right to annul his vows of his wife who is Bulgaris. We're going to learn this. Everybody say, where did we learn this? We learned this in Mesechus Ksuvis. Habogeres, Shisha Sigid Beis Chodesh. So we'll say, if you remember again, we learned, we learned this in Mesechus Ksuvis. Everybody say that Halokha Lamaisa, Halokha Lamaisa, after, here actually, let's take a look. 
Let's take a look. So what's actually... Um, Fine. So let me just say this outside. We actually remember also we had this Masechus Ksuvas that Allah said there was often twelve months, often twelve months between Erus and Nisuin, and after twelve months, if the husband did not marry the wife, what would happen? It would trigger the support clause. Right now he's obligated to support her. Well, once he's obligated to support her, he also has what revocatory power over her vows. So I will say, so essentially what the Gemara is saying is, so let me get this straight. The Mishnobir is coming to teach me that Allah, Halamaisa, husband has the right to revoke the vows of his wife, Elizabeth Bulgaris. Okay, that's interesting, but we already learned that. We've learned already in the second Ksutis that Allah, Halamaisa, a husband, once he's obligated to support her, has revocatory power over her vows. So if we already learned it there, why do we need to repeat it over here? To which the Gemara says, So I will say, here's the problem. So now listen to this. The problem with that general statement that say is, it's a problem. Why does a Bulgaris need 12? So say, this is going back to our Ksuvis days. Remember again, I say, why ultimately again was 12 months given for a girl between Erosin and Isuin? So there were two components to it. Number one was to give the husband time for the Chasana, but also more importantly, to give the girl time to acquire her adornments, her clothing, everything she needed to get married and for married life. And I will say, the assumption was that by the time a girl was a Bulgaris, right, by the time a girl was a Bulgaris, she was already ready for marriage. In other words, she had anticipated getting married maybe already as a Nara, as a Nara. It didn't materialize as a Nara, but she certainly had everything. So I will say, how long does a Bulgaris need in order to get married, to get ready for a wedding? How long does she need? 30 days. 30 days. So first of the Gemara says, why are you giving a Bulgaris 12 months? Right? A Bulgaris only needs 30 days. To which the Gemara says, you're right, Tani, Bulgaris, Vishashasa Yedbeis Chodesh. The says, okay, calm down, right? So just read a little bit differently. It's two cases. It's two cases. A Bulgaris after 30 days or a Nara after 12 months. But what's the point? What's the point, Jabal say? A Bulgaris after 30 days, if the man did not marry her, What's Talacha? He's obligated to support her. As a, as a result of the support clause, he's, in, he's entitled to what? To revoke her vows. Anara, after 12 months, if he didn't marry her, he's obligated to support her and he has the ability to revoke her vows. At the end of the day, Miko Makam Kasha. I will say the question we asked is still, I will say, what was the question we asked? The Mishnah makes it sound like it's a big Chiddush that is teaching us. What's the big Chiddush? What's the big Chiddush? That a husband, a man who marries a Bulgaris, has revocatory power over the vows of his Bulgaris wife. Fantastic. Mara says, only one problem. We learned that already. We learned that already. So why is our Mishnah restating Havacha that we already learned back in Mesechus Ksuvis? To which the Gemara says, Mikom Makam Gasha, Ibai Seimahacha Dafka, U Bulgaris Katani Hasamishum Dubai Flugirbaz of Rabbanam. So I will say, it could very well be as follows. It could very well be that halacha lemaisa here in our case in our mishnah is dafka where the ikra halacha is being stated. Halacha dafka here is where the ikra halacha about a about a husband having revocatory powers over his wife's over his bokeris wife's nedarim. This is where the ikra halacha is being stated. And I will say it could be that halacha lemaisa. The only reason that it was mentioned beforehand 
is to teach me about the machlokis between between Rebbe Lozer and the Rabbanon. Rebbe Lozer, if you take a look, if you take a look at the run over here, the run says Ibai Seima. It's about uh, eight lines are from the bottom. Bogeres Tafka Hadaka Tafka Valdik Tanei Hasam Mishum Debayi Fluger Rebbe Lozer Rabbanon Mishum Achi Hadir Tanei Lashmina Delav Divrei Hakolhi. So Rebbe says, interestingly enough, what the Gemara is suggesting is as follows. What the Gemara is suggesting is there is a machlokis Rebbe Lozer and the Rabbanon ultimately about this din, about whether or not after 12, what happens after 12 months. So I will say, so what the Gemara is suggesting is like this. So just remember, no one's disputing the bottom line fact. What's the bottom line fact? That, after, that, that a husband has rights to revoke the nadarim of his Bulgaris wife. And that is the right that a husband has, that what? That a, that a father does not. So that, that's the takeaway. All the Gemara is bothered by is, but we already learned that a husband has revocatory power in his Bulgaris wife. We are learning Suvis. Why are you stating it here? So now we're just trying to answer why is the concept stated twice? So the first answer the Gemara is giving is you're right. Here I both say in our Mishnah, this is where the Ikra Halacha is being stated. That a husband has revocatory power in his wife's Nidarim. Why is it stated in Mesechus Suvis? Because I will say there, there's a machlokas about what happens after 30 days for a Bulgaris, or after 12 months for an Ara. That's a machlokis, we're not gonna get into right now. So that's why it's stated over there. But it's not stated over there to convey the halacha. The halacha is conveyed over here. There it's just stated in order to frame a machlokis in a and the Rabbanon. Okay, Ibai Seima, what's the other possibility is? Ibai Seima, Bulgaris Dafka, no. Maybe the Mishnah Ksubis Rabbosai is Dafka where the halacha is taught. Namely, that a husband has revocatory power in the Nadarim of his Bulgarian wife, hmm. and I will say, over here, it's just being brought down in order to maintain Mishnahic symmetry. And I will say, what's the Mishnahic symmetry? Because if you notice again, how does our Mishnah read? The first part of the Mishnah quotes the Halacha, that ultimately, again, if the father dies, the husband doesn't inherit his rights, his revocatory rights. Husband dies, father does inherit his revocatory rights. And then what happens? And then it says, Bezu yafa koachab mi koachabal. So we'll say, in this way, the koach of the father is greater than the koach of the husband. To maintain Mishnahic symmetry, the Mishnah wanted to include a case of what? Where the power of the husband is greater than the power of the father. What's the case of where the power of the husband is greater than the power of the father? We'll say, what's that case? Bagus. That if husband has the ability to annul the vows of his Bulgarian wife, whereas the father has no revocatory power in his Bagros daughter. So I will say, so did the Mishnah need to state that case? Did it need to state it? No. Why didn't it need to state it? Why not? It was already taught us in Ksubis. It's only brought here ultimately to go ahead and maintain Mishnahic symmetry. Shkayach, I will stop over here. Shkayach.